0: We begin our um, devotional series. Um, We're calling this series Reset. It's about how you make fundamental, deep change through repentance, using both the scriptures, the teachings from those who have gone before us who have found victory and found the secret of these truths to make deep changes in their lives. One of those uh, teachers that is so helpful in this area is J.I. Packer. He wrote this, he says, about repentance. We need to realize that while God's acceptance of each Christian believer is perfect from the start, our repentance always needs to be extended further as long as we are in this world. Repentance means turning from as much of our sin as we know, to give as much of ourselves as we know, to as much as we know of God so that we can grow in repentance. So we, in these series, we're going to work at learning to turn from as much of our sin as is revealed to us, to give as much of ourselves to God as we possibly can, and to as much as we know of God at this point, to grow in how we repent, we change, and we reset ourselves according to him and his word. Now, there's a couple of things that are really important themes that will follow throughout this series. One is called a change project. Uh, Tim Chester wrote a book called You Can Change, and he calls uh, uh, sort of the specific of where of looking in your life at where you want to change certain either behaviors or emotions or attitudes that are tripping you up. So when you, when you do this with us, we'd like you to commit to saying, I want to be a part of this in a way that I have a personal change project. And so the, the issue when we're dealing with change project is this, is it's no good If you're trying to change something in someone else, you can't choose better behaved children or a better marriage. You must choose something about you that can be changed because really when it comes to control and when it comes to responsibility, you're responsible for yourself. So you must change something about you. You can't just change something about someone else who's irritating you or annoying you. Uh, But it could be as personal as, I want to stop shouting at my children, or I want to quit getting so irritated by my spouse. And uh, not only does it have to be about you, but if it's a real change project, it has to be about something that's more specific. Like some people will say, well, I want to be a better person. Well, that's, that's not specific enough. We're talking about actually seeing, here's the place where the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on in my life that needs to change and you begin to get very specific about this and a specific area of specific emotion. Say you have a lot of, of uh, fear or you have some anxiety or you're, you're getting angry all the time or you're feeling depressed or discouraged. You wanna deal with something that's more in those areas or, or if it's a behavior that keeps occurring, you wanna deal with that. Now, what we've done is we've produced a workbook it's on our website, risenking.life, the Reset Workbook. And in that workbook, what, we, what uh, I really love that Lisa did is she took uh, a teaching tool called the Learning Circle and she, um, she tweaked it for our specific purpose. The Learning Circle has to do with, with really capturing the Kairos moments when, when God is intervening in your life and he's inviting you into change. So what Lisa did is she tweaked that a bit and called it a repentance circle because we want to be specific not just to the kairos moments of your life, but to the conviction moments. Those times when, when you know the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart or puts a check in your spirit. And, and instead of just ignoring that to really know how, how do I, if the Spirit is putting his finger on something, if he's convicting me of some area of my life, how do I flow with the spirit to get to all the way from disobedience to sustained obedience, and the circle gives you a visual we have postcards of it we have it uh as a design in the book reset all of this is free it's stuff you can have we just we want you to have visuals to help you in this this uh change project and in terms of resetting your life in the way that will make you more and more. Uh, abundant in uh, grace, faith, and developing in in your obedience to Christ. So the repentance circle flows along these lines that you experience a conviction by the Holy Spirit that he wants to change something in you. You see, the, the, the difference between the Holy Spirit and the accusation of the enemy is that the Holy Spirit is always moving you to something that can change the enemy is always moving you towards regret which is an emotion about things that cannot change or cannot be changed so the spirit convicts and his conviction needs a response so the first response is you acknowledge that if you want to you know get free from sin you're going to have to acknowledge that it is sin or that it is something that needs to change and then the confession that's the that's the next step in the circle confession It's just an agreement, basically saying, you know, I take responsibility. Um, uh, The fourth uh, step is recognize, recognition that this is sin, that uh, it can produce a godly sorrow in you, not just remorse where you're trying to make up for what you've done, but actually a godly sorrow where you begin to see, look, this behavior, this attitude, this emotion is not just costing me, It's costing the people around me, and I've sinned against God. This is where, as you come to this place where you're really doing these three things of repentance, acknowledging, confessing, recognizing, then you come to the place where you have to make a faith step, where you say, I receive forgiveness. This is the only way you're going to get free of the sin, is if you receive freely the pardon for the sin that leads you as you see you can't really change from a sin to you've really you've really experienced lord you have forgiven me and i have freedom from this and then the change of mind you begin to move up in the circle towards sustained obedience change of mind that that you begin to realize i've been believing a lie and you renounce that lie or or i've been living in wrong desires and you renounce those wrong desires and you begin to make a plan the next step. In other words, a change of mind leads to a change of plan. Often what happens is if we do not make a plan, we coast back, we drift back into that sin and then we turn toward God because in, in so many ways the, the real power to change and the agent of change is always the Holy Spirit. So we receive God's love, we receive his power our hearts are melted, and we begin to move in uh, in intimacy and relationship with God. And this leads to a what we're going to talk about a lot. A lot is that the true Christian life is a lifestyle of repentance. It's spiritual changes that result in sustained obedience. So that's our our repentance circle. Please get a copy of that workbook now. What is it that God is doing in all of this? Um, if you get a chance, please listen to yesterday's message, uh, week one sermon. Because what the Spirit is trying to do is, is, is not to embarrass you, not to humiliate you, not to uh, you know, uh, do anything but transform you and conform you to the very image of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But more than that, he's trying to show you how precious you are to God. How much uh, love and delight that the Father has in you because you are in Christ. And the desire of the Spirit, when he fills you, is to melt your heart to to the warmth of the love of the Father for you. The same love the Father has for the Son is the love the Father has for you because you are in Christ. He's not looking for people who just, in grim determination, make decisions to, to, you know, I'm going to obey so I don't get punished or I'm going to obey because I'm afraid not to obey. But rather, he's looking for people who will have melted hearts, warmth from within towards the love of God and our love returning to him and provoked by him. So one of the ways to look at this and one of the ways that's really helpful and it fits with the idea of, of the repentance circle is that when Saint Augustine was talking in his in his book the Confessions he called sin disordered love so what what you see is he's saying that sin creates disorder in your heart it it takes a look at sin in a way that Augustine is looking at it, that's more than just, okay, we've got this issue of behavior, we got this issue of bad deeds and actions. Not that we don't want to change those, but we actually want to get at the root and the power of those behaviors, of those uh, bad, you know, decisions and actions. You see, those, those are the symptoms. We want to get at the root, and the root is always disordered love. And what Augustine means by that is there's there has to be in your heart an order where the love you have for God is is ordered first it's it's before all everything else, and then a love for others follows that love for God. Think about the order of the the great commandment: love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. so there's an order to it. love God. First, above all else, love others. And it's interesting; is scripture is also pretty clear that you've got to love yourself in a healthy way, because love love your neighbor as yourself. There's an order to that. If you have self hatred, you're going to not have capacity to love God or to love others. This is why that that part of the circle is so important. Of receiving and believing in your in your forgiveness, believing that you are forgiven. If and we'll say this again and again, if you have not believed you are pardoned, you will not be able to repent. And so what happens when my loves are out of order, then good things become ultimate things. So if I love if I love my job more than anything else, if I love my family more than anything else, those are good things, but when they become ultimate things, they become idols. And when that is disordered, then the heart is out of order. So in many ways, the reset that the Holy Spirit's trying to do is to melt your heart so that the order of your heart is you go back to your first love. God, you are my first love. You are my love above every other love because you have loved me enough to send your own son to die for me. So when we begin to understand even situations like the pandemic, uh, going through what we've gone through for the last two years, you begin to realize that God will strip away many of the things that are good in your life so that he can show you that you need him and you need nothing else, that you need God alone and you need nothing else. Now, why is it that it takes so much to get our attention in this area? Well, John Calvin, one of the great reformers, said the human heart is an idol factory. And Tim Keller, picking up on that theme, he says, how do you discern even what your idols are? And, And Keller says this, he says, What thing, if you lost it, would almost mean that you would lose your will to live? What thing lost, gone from your life, would mean that almost all value and significance, identity and worth, would be drained out of your life? Well, whatever that thing is, the Bible calls it an idol. This disordered love, this idolatry, though, is not easily discerned. A psychologist, Dr. Adler, noted that it's very hard to figure out what you're really living for by simply asking yourself, what am I living for? He says, we're not that self-aware. Because many of us will say, well, I'm living for God. But you look at people's lives and they're really not living for God. They're living for other things, their family, their job, their, their looks, their health, whatever it might be. But Adler said it a little differently than Keller. He says, but the way to find out is not to ask the question, what am I living for? He says, look at your nightmares. What thing, if absent, would almost or would take away your reason to live? He says, your deepest emotions, anxiety, fear, despair, will point you to your God. This is how you find out the idols of your heart. It can lead, you know, it can lead to uncontrollable anger toward any obstacle or person that stands in the way of you possessing it. Uh, despair comes if you cannot have it or even bitterness. Adler says, we must discern the idols in our life, expose them and then destroy them or else it will destroy you. One of the old Puritans said, either you kill sin or sin will kill you. And Paul said it, the apostle Paul said it this way, put to death therefore whatever is earthly in you. Or, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, all of which is idolatry, Paul said. That's the, that is God's holy word. You see, when we're talking about reset, we're not just talking about trying to become a better you. We're trying to deal with the things that are trying to kill you, the things that are trying to destroy you, the things that are keeping you from the fullness of your destiny and the fullness of your design in Christ Jesus. So to reorder, to reset our loves, really means a complete turnabout, a total reset. Now that's why we use the repentance circle, is because the repentance circle means you do a turnabout, you do a reset. Now as we do this, it's so important you understand God's view of holiness instead of our view of holiness or God's view and agenda, not just our agenda. God's not interested in making you religious. Religion is little more than decoration over our deadness and our brokenness. He's not interested in making you spiritual if being spiritual means you're detached and you're, 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 you're in a way you're not learning to live in that relationship in the the clarity of father-daughter, father-son relationship. God isn't interested in making you more self-absorbed than you already are. Jesus himself was not self-absorbed whatsoever, but was completely self-giving. He was self-giving personified. And, and this is the interesting thing. This, this sometimes truthfully turns people away from true intimacy with God, is God isn't interested in making your life serene or necessarily peaceful without any conflict or any struggles. Jesus was passionate. He was angry at sin. He was weeping over the city. Jesus was anything but serene. He was engaged. You know, the word holy means to be set apart, to be consecrated. For Jesus, holiness meant losing, being, you know, losing in a way everything that he had in heaven, letting go of all of his comforts, letting go of all, in a way, of all of his status to come to be set apart, to be different from in every way the sinful ways of this world. He was in every way like us except he was set apart from sin. You know, he wasn't set apart from the world, but he was being consecrated to God in the world. He was God's glory in and for the world. The glory of God is the sum of all that Jesus is, the love of God, the goodness of God, the beauty, the purity, the judgment of God, the splendor of God, the power, the wisdom and majesty. And what is it the Holy Spirit is doing in the reset? He's renewing the glory that was intended for you, that was lost and being lost by sin. And he's restoring it by restoring the image of God in you, by conforming you to the image of his son. So that instead of having vain glory or fake glory, counterfeit glory, and and an image that is unsustainable for yourself, you begin to, to draw upon and have the source of the glory of God Revealed in Jesus Christ, revealed in you, in your character, in your attitudes, in your actions, in everything that you are. Not because you put it on fakely, but because it begins to emanate from the inside of you, outside of you. It begins, you begin to live in your new identity. You begin to live in your new nature in Christ. And your image is now restored, renewed, glory restored. I mean, this is the agenda. Um, Tony Evans, one of the great uh, preachers that I've ever heard, he talks about that God's agenda for you is the kingdom agenda. You were made for something more than just survival. You know, if you are to be, Evans says, all that you were designed and destined to be, it's time for you to join in with the kingdom agenda the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of your life. See, this is the underlying theme throughout the whole of scriptures is the glory of God, the restoration of the glory of God by the advancement of his kingdom. Why, why, am, I, why am I emphasizing this? Because sometimes when we go into healing seasons, we get, we get so self-focused, we forget, that everything that's happening to us is not just for us, but it's for bringing the kingdom of God and the restoration of the glory of God to our friends, our family, our business, our school, our church. We, We are never simply inwardly focused. The inward focus must become an outward focus. It must be, again, an ordered heart where we love God, we love others, we love ourselves, And we have that in order or else we are continuing to be a disordered heart, even if we're trying to get healing. I've seen plenty of people who know they need healing, but they heal in a disordered way. So their healing is always incomplete. God wants his kingdom not only to touch your life, but his kingdom through you to touch the lives of everybody else. Here is the thing that I've learned. I actually get more healing as I'm sharing my healing with others. I actually receive more and more insights as I'm willing to share my life with others. It's a kingdom agenda. Tony Evans says it this way. The kingdom agenda offers us the way to see and live life with a solid hope by optimizing the solutions of heaven. When the glory of God is no longer the final and authoritative standard under which all else falls, order and hope leaves with him. But the reverse of that is true as well. As long as you have God, you have hope. If God is still in the picture, and as long as his agenda is still on the table, it's not over. Even if relationships collapse, God will sustain you. Even if finances dwindle, God will keep you. Even if dreams die, God will revive you. As long as God and his rule is still the overarching standard in your life, family, church, and community, there is always hope. Thank you, Dr. Evans, for that. What a powerful word. See, the cause of real change in your life must be that you are convinced that Jesus is the good life that Jesus is the fountain of all your joy. Any alternative we might choose would be the letdown. Making us like Jesus was God's plan from the beginning. God planned for us to be like his son. Before God had ever even made the world, his plan for you and me was to make us like Jesus. And everything that's happening to you right now is part of that plan. One day we will share God's glory and reflect that glory back to him so that he is glorified in an ultimate way by you. This is Romans 8:30. So restored glory is God's agenda for you.